Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 99 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and finding this podcast. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. This episode's guest is Robin Bennett, and she is going to be telling us all about her lab ranger. So let's get straight into it. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here with Robin Bennett. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. So whereabouts in the world are you? I am currently living in Colorado Springs. So I say currently because I just got done with about a six-week RV trip out in Utah. So, but my home is in Colorado Springs. Nice, nice. How was that trip? Oh, it was great. It was a really nice, we went all over Utah. It's a beautiful state. I've never been there before. So it was a lot of fun. Excellent. And who are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about my current dog, whose name is Ranger. And he's a six-year-old lab. Lovely. So as per usual, I'm going to ask you to take us back in time and to just before you got Ranger and tell us about the hows and whys that that sort of went through. Well, I was back in Virginia at the time, actually living in Virginia, and had lost my previous lab. I've had a couple of labs, had dogs before that that weren't labs, but kind of started getting labs and stuck with that breed. <laughs> um, but I had I had lost my uh, previous lab, and I thought, you know, I'm going to wait a while because I just – can't get a dog right now. And then, you know, you always make these plans and then things don't always work out that way. But a friend of mine who was a veterinarian technician, she had gotten a dog from a breeder who had just had puppies. And so she contacted me and said, not sure if you're interested, but here's these puppies. So of course I went out to take a look and long story short was I ended up getting that dog. We were just about, my husband and I were just getting ready to move. We were building a house out in Colorado and it was sort of a crazy time to get a puppy. But (laughs) once I I saw them, I couldn't really resist. So ended up getting that puppy from uh, the breeder out in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And did Ranger pick you or did you pick him out of the litter? I think a little bit of each, actually. He went, I went out there a couple of times and from the very beginning, he was the one I wanted, but the breeder was basically going to tell me which dog I was going to get because she was going <laughs> to temperament test him and all that. And uh, she knew all the things that we wanted. We were looking for a dog that could travel and would like to meet a lot of people um, that would go to events because I do go to dog events and trade shows and that kind of thing with my business. And so he needed to be able to be a good uh, ambassador in that sense. And I really, really, really liked him. Well, then when they temperament tested there were two dogs that had sort of the temperament that she thought would would suit that one was him he's a yellow lab and then there was another black lab um coincidentally the black lab ended up going to my very good friend so 
the two dogs see each other occasionally. She still lives, she lives in Maryland, so we don't get together as much as we would love to, but so I think it was a little bit of each. And then when she finally decided which person was going to get which dogs, um, she did say that Ranger was going to be the one that I was getting. So, but I think we kind of always, every time we went over there, I felt like I played with him the most and he was with me the most. And so I think it was a little bit of each. Uh, I often say sometimes the universe works in in mysterious ways and things that are meant to happen just happen. Exactly. (laughs) So how was the initial few days coming back into the, well, back into the the moving state of your premises? Just when I brought him, do you mean when I bring him, brought him home? Yeah. He was actually the easiest dog I have ever in everything. He's been one of the easiest dogs I've ever had to deal with. So, I mean, he really went to slip through the night, the first few nights. Like I didn't have all of that crying and all of the issues. So that was sort of a shock. I kept for the longest time, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. I was like, this can't be this easy, you know, because (laughs) he really did settle down really nicely. Um, I had more time myself, so I do think I got him out a lot more. So maybe it's just that he was more tired than all my other puppies when I had gotten them. But he was he traveled really well. We had about a two-hour trip back from the breeder's house, and he never made a peep. We stopped a couple of times to let him out, but he was in this crate. I was kind of prepared to you know hold him in my lap if I needed to, but we put him in the crate, and he's just fell asleep. We, I will say we played with all the puppies for about two and a half hours before we ever went home. So I do think he was exhausted for that, but we got home and he settled in really, really quickly, actually. Oh, no, nice, nice. And the initial sort of setup, does he sort of like free roam or have a crate or? He had a crate. I definitely think that that's the safest way for a puppy, especially a larger puppy that can get into things pretty quickly. So I crate trained him. Plus, I knew he was going to I always have my dogs ride in a crate in the car. So I wanted him to be used to that. Um, so he settled into that. So I had a crate in my bedroom and when he would fall asleep, I would put him in his crate just to and then he would wake up there and we'd let him out. And I had a crate in the kitchen, too. So we kind of alternated between the two. And then all the other times, obviously, when he was when I was available, he was out and just being supervised and going places with me and having a good time. We did at that point take him over to his uh, siblings house from time to time. I babysat his the sibling for a little while too. So that was probably more the most chaotic was when both of the puppies were in the house. <laughs> it was <laughs> no, like no. double trouble. I like the idea of the, the crate in the kitchen. Well, mainly that's because I didn't want to carry it up and down the stairs because my bedroom was on the second floor and the kitchen's on the main floor and it just gets to be cumbersome. So I actually happened to have two crates. So I said, well, I'm just going to leave one upstairs and one downstairs and then I don't have to move them around. So it was more uh, more for my for my well-being than anything else. How was it when it was um, when you were preparing meals? Was that a bit more of a an emotional challenge? Um, not well, to begin with, it was. And actually, it's funny because I have video. I did a I did a puppy class that was designed by me raising him. So it's called Raising Your Puppy. And it's basically a tutorial on how to raise your puppy the first six months of the that when you bring him home. And I have a video of him when I would fix not only his meal, but any of our meals. He was like a jumping bean, jumping up and down and barking. And 
I mean, it was total chaos. But obviously, I worked with him a little bit. I am a my background is as a dog trainer, so I didn't want to reward that behavior, but worked with him to get him to sit and at least keep his butt on the floor long enough that I could get his food down. <laughs> and so we practiced that a lot because he was in the kitchen so much. Um, but he was pretty good about if once he got used to his crate, if he was put in there, we usually would give him a chew toy or something that would keep him preoccupied while we were eating. So that helped a lot. Mm. Ah, no, excellent. Um, were there any other dogs or animals in the house when you brought him home? Not at the time we brought him home. We had um, three dogs at one point, but we had were down to none by the time we got him. So the only other dogs he saw, our neighborhood had a lot of dogs. So all of our neighbors would, we would go out and have the dogs meet in the cul-de-sac or play in the cul-de-sac. So he met those dogs, but none in the actual house, except when his sibling would come over. <laughs> uh, nice. It's that sort of mixed sort of thing where they don't have interaction with other you know dogs or other species but then again they they have that time where you can dedicate a hundred percent right and at that time my kids were out of the house too so i do think that made things on much more consistent in terms of how he was being raised because we didn't have as many hands involved so to speak in in raising him which kind of was nice in some respects but the, uh, the downside of that was i did have to take him out and get him to meet Thing, people and children and the things that we didn't have because my kids were no longer in the house. Okay. There, is there any sort of like interesting things that you can say on any of those sort of meetings? No, I would say he was always pretty good. I mean, his biggest, he's, he's a Labrador retriever. So his biggest thing was wanting to jump on everybody and grab everybody's, you know, shirts or pants or whatever. So it's just like a typical puppy, but I did do, um, he's the first puppy I did a lot of trick training with. Mm -hmm. So obviously I would tell people teach sit and down and, you know, the basic commands, but with him, I actually just started doing a lot of tricks with him. And he actually, within by the time he was 12 weeks old, he actually got his AKC trick dog title, his novice trick dog title. So that was kind of fun. And he used a lot of those tricks when he would meet people. So that kind of became a deterrent for him jumping on people or any, you know, doing that kind of thing is people could ask him to do tricks or I would ask him to do tricks. And that kept him a little bit more preoccupied. So it's, Behavior was a little bit better, and everybody liked it too, so that was fun. Yeah, no, I love it. I love that you were doing it at such a young age. Yeah, he was – He, I will say he's like a little sponge. He, he To this day, he loves to do any kind of training or any kind of activity with me. Like, he loves that more than anything. He's not really big of, a big of retriever, which is kind of funny. He's the first lab I've gotten where you throw a ball and he just looks at you like, why should I go get that? <laughs> Unless it's in water. He loves water, retrieving from the water. But on land, he he might chase it. He might bring it back occasionally, once or twice, and then he's done. But my, I've had other labs where you could just throw the ball for hours and hours and hours and they would keep bringing it back. And he's just not like that at all. But he will get – he will – bug you and bug you and bug you and paw at you and try to get you to engage with him. And he loves to do training or tricks or anything like that. So oh, it's kind it. of interesting. No, it's a, I make a, a, a generalization that, you know, that people just don't give their dogs enough mental stimulation and, and challenges. And I think, I think 
personally part of that is that the use of the word, I know, training, and people say, oh, training, you know, but it, it's not. It's it's engaging in your right. puppy. Yeah, and stuff that's fun too. That's what I, I do think people love to do tricks because they don't think of it as training and everybody's smiling. And I think the other nice thing about tricks is nobody really gets upset if the dog doesn't do it right. So mm. whereas when you're like telling them to sit, people feel compelled that if the dog doesn't sit, then they're upset. Whereas if you're telling them to shake or roll over and they don't do it, everybody just laughs and it doesn't really matter. So I think tricks are a really good way to help your dog and give your dog some mental stimulation without all of that stress. Absolutely. Do you think he has any sort of favorite tricks? Oh, I do think he loves to roll. He loves to play dead. So that was one of the first tricks I taught him. And he will often, I was just at a, when I was on this RV trip that I was just saying about, um, we were waiting to all go in on a Jeep run. We were all going to go Jeeping together. There was a group of us and we were all talking before we left. And he just walked in the center of the group and did did a spin which is one of his tricks and then he just rolled over and everybody just laughed and i was like he's trying to do play dead right now <laughs> so he loves that trick um and then he also likes backup i because i taught him to back up and he likes to just back up on away from people and then come back to them so those are probably his two favorite tricks that he likes All right, nice um what about uh toys Toys, he likes any kind of squeaky toy, really. Um, he doesn't have particularly a favorite. He has probably way too many toys. <laughs> if he like many dogs, I guess. I try to rotate them. He has a big basket of toys and he tends to pull out the squeaky toys the most. But pretty much his other favorite thing to carry around is socks. And he doesn't <laughs> chew them, but he will go into our bedroom, my husband and my bedroom, and just bring out a sock. And mostly I think he does it to, for attention. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we just laugh at him. So he does it. He does it all the time. We've never tried to stop him from doing it because he doesn't chew on them. He doesn't destroy them. All he does is goes in. But you could see the look on his face when he's heading into the bedroom. <laughs> and then I can look at my husband. I go, he's going to bring a sock out. And then he'll, he will, he'll bring a sock out and then he'll want, he'll trot around with it. Like he's really proud of the fact that he found this sock and then want you to play with him. So those are probably his two favorite things. Can very much relate to the sock thing. Yeah. Our dope, she does the same sort of thing. She'll grab it and then just go to a place and sit there and, and look at you and go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And then of course we do, we pet him and play with him and sometimes we'll take it from him and throw it so he can go get it and. And so we basically rewarded that behavior, but I don't really mind it. So if he were destroying him, I probably wouldn't wouldn't want him to do it, but mm -hmm. he doesn't care. So as a younger dog, when you took him out, sort of like to what would have been a, a, a regular walk and do you have like a favorite sort of like area? When I lived in Virginia, we took him basically on walks around the neighborhood. There weren't a lot of places to take him that were off leash. So he mostly went on walks around the neighborhood. Once we moved out to um, Colorado, which happened about six months, we had him probably six or seven months. And then we lived in our RV for about six months while our house was being built. So during that time in the RV, he walked all kinds of places. It just depended on where we were. But now that we're out here, there's a particular walk that goes out into like a prairie area where we can let him off leash and he runs around out there. 
but he he pretty much likes just going for walks. I'm convinced he likes walks when it's me and my husband more than just one of us. I have no idea why I think that, but my <laughs> husband thinks the same thing. My husband's like, I think he's happier when we're both walking with him. So, but usually we're in the neighborhood and then we go out to that prairie area and let him off leash to run around. Okay. Just sort of think he's got the full sort of like full off lead big areas, but then you had that sort of like period of time. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about life in the RV for six months with the dog. Yeah, we with a, with had a puppy. six months. And <laughs> yeah, we had six months. So um, part of that was traveling. And so we would be on the road. And then probably like the last four months, we were actually in one spot about 10 minutes from where our current house is because we were checking on the house as it was finished building. But um, our motor home's about 38 feet. So it's, you know, not a huge motor home, but it's big when it's a big dog and two people. Right? I mean, it's small <laughs> when it's a big dog and two people. But he actually, when he was inside, he's he has always been the kind of dog that kind of has an off switch. So when things are settled down, he settles pretty easily, even as a puppy. So but it was definitely you had to take him out and give him exercise or he would just drive you crazy. Mostly, mostly by just telling you, by pawing you usually that he wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So we were just, we would just make sure we would get him out. The, the place where we stayed for four months actually had a large dog park on site at the RV park. So we could oh, take nice. him over there. And occasionally there were other dogs there, not always, depending on who was in the campground at any time. Um, but he travels pretty well. He loves going new places. And so when we would drive, he would just get up, you know, we have a crate in the RVs so he would be crated in the RV when we drive. And then we would get someplace. He's just interested in seeing who else is at the campground and <laughs> all the new smells and sights. So I think that helps actually with just engaging his brain too, is that he's always smelling new places and new sights and new sounds. Yeah, absolutely. But, and sleeping. Yeah, he's a good traveler though. <laughs> sleeping in the RV, was he crate or bed? He slept basically wherever he wants. And that's same with our house. He's He likes to get on the bed until you stop petting him. <laughs> so he'll get on the bed in the, in the middle of me and my husband is, and we'll pet him. As soon as you stop petting him, he will start pawing you to tell you to keep petting him. And then if you don't respond, he'll just get off the bed. And then he sleeps. He has, he actually has two beds in the RV of his own um, plus his crate. So when we're parked, we do take the door off the crate so he can go in and out and he goes in and in there a fair amount. Otherwise he's either on his other dog bed or he's on his couch on the couch. So he kind of picks where he wants to sleep. And then usually in the morning, he'll come up in the bed again to get petted in the morning <laughs> before we take him out. So, and that's pretty much how he is at home too. He has, he can sleep wherever he wants at home, but he'll come up in the bed at night and in the morning usually. Nice. And what sort of morning habit does he like early in the morning, wake you up or? He's pretty good. He usually will get up between six and seven, which is about the time my husband and I get up. Um, if we don't get up, he will, he will usually jump on the bed and just lay there or he'll just sit at the side of the bed and stare at you. <laughs> you can like, you like open your eyes and you just can sense somebody staring at you. Um, so and then you get up, but then he likes to go out and go to the bathroom and then he wants to eat as soon as he done is 
comes back in. So just using his mental powers to wake up, <laughs> exactly. wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake it up. It is. It's kind of spooky, really. <laughs> he does that. But he's not, he's pretty good. He doesn't bark or anything. He, the only time he barks really is if he wants, really, really wants to play with another dog. Or we started doing fast cat with him, which is essentially a hundred yard dash for dogs. It's a American Kennel Club sport. And we've stumbled into that by accident, but he loves it. And he is like a total maniac at the start line. So he will bark and lunge and pull. And people that have met him can't even believe he's like that because they never see him really that crazy. But he loves to, that's, it's funny too, because he doesn't, for Fast Cat, they basically um, chase a lure, which is just a plastic bag on a pulley. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't chase anything like rabbits could hop in front of him. Deer can walk by. He doesn't say he doesn't care. He just looks at him and is like, whatever. But for whatever reason, a plastic bag on a pulley, <laughs> he wants to chase. So <laughs> oh, it's really a- interesting because you would, it doesn't, I'd never would have thought he liked it as he would like it as much as he does. Oh, that's nice. I love it. And yeah, it's a labs because people don't really have that mental sort of picture of a lab doing that, you know, hundred yard sprint. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it was very interesting. My sister-in-law was taking her dog. She's a Karen Terrier. And so I said, well, I'll go with you and just do a fun run and see what he does. And sure enough, he loved it. So we've been competing in that. And it's basically competing against yourself because you're, you know, you the dogs run by themselves and they time it. And then if they get a certain number of points, they can get ribbons and that kind of thing. So it's kind of fun. Oh, I love it. And, um... and he loves it guessing they have the, the the countdown timer the the beep machine at the beginning yep. yeah they have a timer and then they have uh somebody has to release the dog when they say go and then somebody has to be at the other end to catch the dog when that once they cross the finish line so it's totally a timed event well it's also based on size so he he smaller dogs have a little bit of a handicap because they're smaller and so they, you can kind of compare. There's a calculation that they do that tells you what the miles per hour is that the dog has run based on their handicap and mm-hmm. on their size. So, but yeah, they have a digital t- timer. So once you run, you know exactly how fast he was. Yeah, that doesn't. I like it because he does all the work. I just have to. <laughs> doesn't him take him. Doesn't take him long to learn. Um, <laughs> we do a, do um, dryland mushing with our dobe, and we started back a few years. And I remember the the first sort of race. They have the the countdown timer with the beep going before yeah. the start. And the first time, it was just like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. It's great. And she was very enthusiastic, but didn't sort of worry too much about at the start line. She was very sort of like calm. Right. And I thought, yeah, this is good. And then she learnt from the other dogs and the the huskies and the malamutes there. And the second time we went. She was just like, I hear the machine. We're about to go. We're about to go. And just like, oh, God. <laughs> hold yeah, hold exactly it back. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened with Ranger. Like the first time he ran, he was kind of excited and he ran. But then he started getting really hyped up. And now, and the to to start the race, the hunt master, who's the one that started, yells tally-ho. <laughs> yeah. So that's the word they yell he can hear like the other day we took him to a couple about a month ago we took him to a competition and we weren't even near the the fast cat trial area yet he couldn't even see it but he heard the guy yell tally ho and he just was like oh my (laughs) gosh we're gonna play that game so it was really funny it's just amazing how quickly they learn that stuff oh absolutely um 
I was going to say the other thing we have um, like used to go to uh, park run when you could go with the the proper kit and I'd have to time getting to the start line you know within a few seconds because she was just so enthusiastic about running and with a group of people that she would be very vocal and you'd have to (laughs) go for a walk the opposite direction and then come back just as everyone was starting (laughs) yeah yeah that's kind of what we do i don't even know if i can hold ranger at at the start because he's pulling so hard Mm -hmm. so my husband usually usually releases him so does he do any other dog activities for sports we just started um, barn hunt, actually. We did a rat instinct test about two months ago, and he found the rat right away. So now we're doing a couple of uh, training sessions just to teach him a little bit more about finding the rat. And so he's, we're going to start competing in that. And then I actually just took an online course on nose work, which mm-hmm. is essentially it's there's very similar barn hunt and nose work, but they're in the sense that they're finding something with their nose. It's just one's a rat and one's um, oils, mm-hmm. but I want to eventually compete with him in that too. So where I'm actually just learning more about the nose work, I took an online class and started working with him. So he's just at the very beginning stages of that. It's uh, great. It's really exploded probably the last, oh, so maybe I think about three, three years-ish that nose yeah. work at that. It's becoming a, a thing, and and when you think about it, you know what are dogs? What sense do they use primarily, and why are we doing more things so to let them use that? Yeah, and he loves that too. I have a specific vest that I put on when he's going to do it, and I mean, as soon as I get that out, he's really gets excited and is ready to go find. And you can you can really see him working to find the scent. So some I actually do that sometimes in my house if it's really cold out. And I don't want to go out with him or exercise him outside. I'll just do some hides in the house. And mm-hmm. it does tire him out because I think he's really working his brain while he's trying to find whatever I've hidden. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people just to do that with, you know, food, feeding, treats, just right. hide stuff and, and let them, you know, let them hunt it and find it. And Yeah. Excellent. So you mentioned earlier on he loves the, the water. He does love the water. He, he He's actually the most or the least heat tolerant dog that I've ever had. So hot weather, he's really not a fan. He'll go out in hot weather, but he'll, he gets tired a lot easier. But if it's if he can get wet, then he'll be out there forever. And then even if it's really, really cold, he'll go in water. So he doesn't care. But he loves the water and he loves retrieving from the water. If if anything is thrown in the water, he will go out and get it. Mm-hmm. It's which is really just weird to me because he does the opposite on land. Like he's just not interested in retrieving on land. And he'll go get it and he'll bring it out and then he wants you to throw it again. And so, but he he's good swimmer. But yeah, he really loves the water. So does that transition to bath time? He doesn't mind getting a bath, actually. he I usually either take him to a self-serve dog wash area or I can wash him in the backyard if it's not too uh, cold. He's not thrilled about it, but he doesn't mind it. Like he once he starts getting wet, he just kind of stands there. Um, his favorite thing after a bath is getting dried off, though. If you show him a towel, he'll run over to you and just put his head in the towel. and <laughs> He loves to get dried off. So it's, I don't know why, where that came from, but... He's always been like that. So even sometimes if we walk and it's 
just had been raining a little bit and he's a little bit wet and we're getting our shoes off and stuff. He'll come into the laundry room because he wants to get dried off. And then as soon as you pick up the towel, he's like, yay, I'm going to get dried off. Ah, nice. Enjoy some nice massage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what about uh, other grooming sort of areas and, and nails? How is he with that? He's really good with nails. He, he doesn't love it, but he lets me do it. And a lot of times my husband will just pet him and talk to him and then he's fine. Or even if I give him like a something to chew on or something to lick, I can, I can trim his nails because he'll pay attention to that. His ears, he's not a huge fan of having his ears clean, but mostly if I, because he does get a, a little bit of a yeast infection in one ear, I would say probably every couple months he has that. And so I have to put some drops in his ears and he'll, if he knows he's going to get drops in his ears, he'll just run over to a corner. But then once you start doing it, he doesn't care. And actually if I, I can usually call, he'll usually come to me even if I call him, but you can tell he's like, Oh no, not this again. But he always gets treats after I do any kind of medical or, you know, handling type of thing. So he know I think that's part is he sort of knows that when he's done, he's going to run to the pantry and get something good to eat. So Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's pretty good about letting letting you do kind of any kind of handling thing with him. Okay. Um, health-wise, how's he been? Health-wise, he's been really good. He just got neutered at six years old because he had some prostate issues, but that's the only thing that we've really seen other than the ear issues that he's had. When he was about... I guess about a year, he cut his nail. He ripped a nail and had to get that taken out. It it grew back, but um, he was jumping into his crate and he hit something. So it caught on something and kind of ripped. But other than that, he's been one of the healthier dogs I've had in terms of not having to go to the vet very often or, you know, have any kind of problems, which is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um question I ask all my guests is to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. I would say for him, he has not eaten anything that he's not allowed to eat. But the other day, like about a month ago, I guess, I went to a dog show and they were selling sardines and they were big. Like I think of sardines as in those little tiny cans in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, a couple of inches. This thing was like six inches long. And the woman who was selling them was telling me how good they were for dogs. And so I thought, okay, I'll see if he'll eat this. Well, I cut it up at first because I wasn't sure if he would like it, but he ate the cut up one right away. And so then the next time I just gave him the entire like seven inch sardine and he just swallowed it whole, so, which I was kind of surprised about. He's, but he liked it. So that would be my, uh, I can't believe he ate a sardine, a huge sardine. Yeah. No, that's all right. And I always like some, some of the guests feel, Oh no, I haven't got something interesting to say about that. And I think that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be entertaining to say your dog eats something, you know, that's not, that it's not really meant to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's been good. He's pretty good about that. I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a favorite spot in the house or the yard? He probably doesn't have a favorite spot cause we find him all over the place in the house. <laughs> um, I've just bought this tiny little bed which is like a donut bed. It's got, it basically, the dog can get in it and he's surrounded 
around the, all of the sides. Mm -hmm. And I actually, when I bought it, I thought I was ordering the right size. Well, I got it and it was way too small. And I thought, well, this, he's never going to fit in this, but we were just getting ready to go out of town. So I opened it up, threw it on the floor and said, well, when we get back in town, I'll return this. Well, he's been in it every single day since. (laughs) And he like, he literally curls up into the tiniest ball. I wouldn't even think he could be that small, but he loves that thing. And so I will say that's his probably his favorite bed right now because he sleeps in that a lot and he gets in it a lot. I think he, my sister-in-law said he it feels like probably feels like a hug to him. Like he's just mm-hmm. all swaddled in this little thing. Um, but otherwise he's pretty much always wherever I am. So he, and he has a bed in just about every room in the house. So, um, but if we're not here, he'll, he'll be all kind of places. So I don't know that he has a favorite spot really outside. I think his favorite spot is right outside the deck. So where he can sort of survey what's going on in the, neighborhood so that's where he probably hangs out the most outside mm-hmm. um do you think he has a favored season oh i think he likes winter the most i think he likes cold weather because mm-hmm. he'll go and go and go and just i think though as soon as the season starts to get a little colder like it is right now he just gets much more frisky and animated and i think he i just think he likes cold weather okay. how cold does it get there It'll get usually, I about we'll sometimes go below zero, but most of the time we're in the winter. We're like in the twenties and thirties. So and then, but when it's the sun's out, it seems much warmer than that because we're at like an elevation of about seven thousand feet. So it seems warmer than that. Then when the, as soon as the shade comes in, then it seems really cold. Though, right. <laughs> so, and we'll get snow occasionally. Generally, it melts pretty quick. So, but Ranger loves the snow. And if we go, like we go mount, sometimes we'll go up in the mountains in the summer and there's still snow on some of the peaks. If he sees snow up there, he'll run over to it and roll around in it. And (laughs) it's funny. He loves the snow. I love it. Has there ever been any interesting um, interactions when you've been out on a hike with other wildlife or anything else? Not really, thankfully. I actually keep him on a leash most of the time when we're out on hikes because I. my biggest fear is that he would run ahead and then run back to us with like a moose or bear or something following him. So, <laughs> and so I usually keep him on leash because of that. So nothing's ever really um, too exciting has happened. We've seen animals, but they've been pretty far away. And like I said, and when we take him out into that prairie area, we sometimes will see pronghorn which is a form of antelope and but like i said and we also see hares which are really large um they're kind of like rabbits but they're really large Mm -hmm. and but he doesn't usually chase them he just kind of looks at them so it's sort of funny because people always say oh aren't you afraid he's gonna run away and chase them and i say no he doesn't i think he tried to chase the hares the first time or two that we came out here to colorado but they're they're huge and they're so fast. I think he just gave up. I think he was like, "There's just no point in that." <laughs> so and then he just doesn't do anything. He just looks at them and keeps on sniffing whatever he's sniffing. Uh, is he is he still the only animal in the household? He is still the only animal. We ha- he has my sister in law has uh, that Karen Terrier, so we call him his cousin. And so they see each other a fair amount. And she also has a Maine Coon cat. And so he sees the cat because we go over to their house or they come over here fairly frequently. But in terms of being in the house, he's the only the only pet. Mm-hmm. 
how is he with the cat and did he sort of meet the, the cat when he was young? He did meet the cat when he was young and when the kit, cat was a kitten and he was afraid of it at first, but, <laughs> but they went out of town. My brother and sister-in-law went out of town. So we kept the dog and the cat when the kitten was pretty young. So they met that way and the cat was afraid of him at first, but I will say that Within about five days, they because we just kind of left them alone. Within about five days, the cat actually started stalking him and would try to paw at his tail, you know, when his tail was swishing. And um, and now that's kind of how they are now. He Ranger doesn't know what to make of the kittens. Like he's constantly just surprised by the cat every time the kitten or the cat now will stalk him. He's always surprised by it. He's always like, oh, where did she come from? <laughs> but she's, the cat still likes to paw at his tail if his tail is wagging or swipe his little uh, foot or whatever. But they get along fine. They don't try to hiss. The, the Initially, the cat did hiss when he would come around. But now I think she's figured out that he's not a threat. And so she'll try to chase him around a little bit. Mm. So they get along pretty well. Mm-hmm. Off the top of your head can you think of one of the the happiest moments that you've spent with him i would say probably just when i brought him home it was just such a great time and part of that was because i wasn't i wasn't totally prepared for a new puppy but then (laughs) you know just the kind of the healing that happens when you bring a new dog in especially if you've lost another dog so i would say that probably was one of the biggest things but really, I mean, every time I see him doing fast cat or barn hunt and I just see how much joy he has doing that, it just always, I always love that as well. Oh, beautiful. Um, touchy subject considered by, by some, but um, what's his diet like? He does, he eats uh, half kibble and half raw and a lot of probably in the past year because i've had a little bit more time i actually have started making his diet for him the raw diet for him um so he eats more of that now than he did but i would still say probably averages out to half and half just because there's times when i'll run out and then i give him um either usually primal is the raw food i feed him and then origin is the kibble i feed him so as i if i it's if i run out of food then i go back to doing that half and half of what i was feeding him before Mm -hmm. I would feed him all raw, except I still have the time to do it <laughs> all the time. So. Wow. But it is it is a controversial subject. I do know that. Yeah, yeah I sort of like won't I'm, won't go into it sort of like too much for fear of upsetting some people. And then look, everyone's got their own reasons for doing what they do. But I sort of like I don't know make it easier so to say to some people that which sort of human doctor will tell a or nutritionist or dietitian will tell you go and find something that's really ultra high processed heat treated and only right. eat that where and you people look at you and go uh huh <laughs> exactly they, they just tell you you know eat fresh and eat varied so right that, exactly that, i'll leave it at that <laughs> Yep. Yep. And I do find, I do follow formulas. I, um, when I'm cooking his own food, so it's not, I mean, I'm not totally guessing. So, cause I think that's important, but yeah, I would, I just run out of time sometimes to feed him because he 
is a larger dog. He's about 70 pounds. But even when I'm not making it himself, I'm still doing um, primal versus primal and kibble. One of the biggest reasons that kibble work helps for me is because when we are in the RV, the frozen food will take up like the entire freezer. <laughs> so <laughs> we have no room for us. And then depending on where we travel, when we're in, we're in Utah, I was able to find a place in St. George, Utah that sold primal, which is a raw food. So that was nice. But a lot of times I have to take all of his food with us. And then I have almost have to supplement either freeze dried or kibble just so I have, because I don't have enough room in the freezer to <laughs> store all of the food. Oh, understandable. Yeah. Oh. You need another, need a trailer. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Refrigerated trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we, I'm going to, going to talk about you as a as a trainer in a moment, but leading into that, the methods that you've been using with Ranger. I do all positive training, so all treat based, toy based, um, reward based training. So I don't, and I years and years and years ago I used other methods, but I have just found for the past twenty five or so years I haven't really had the need to use any of those. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything is done based on positive reinforcement for him. Oh, excellent. Um, when, just going back to being out in the, in the RV in different places, do you think he had a, a, some favorite spots? I think he likes being in the mountains the most. And I think part of that's because it's cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, So anywhere that he can get on things or climb on things or, you know, where there's, it's not necessarily just a trail, but there's things that he can get up and over. And he likes that. I think he likes that kind of thing. And then of course, any kind of lakes, he loves any kind of lakes or any kind of water really. Mm -hmm. Does he swim out far in the lakes? You've ever been sort of worried? He doesn't usually. Occasionally if he sees ducks he will head that direction and then kind of figure out they're too far and come back so he usually stays pretty close and a lot of times if there's if you throw something he'll go as far as you've thrown it and then get it and come back um but otherwise if there's not anything for him to retrieve he'll mostly just swim around the relatively near closer to the edge and he loves i don't know why this is but he loves to paw at rocks so sometimes he'll just and he's literally like dug rocks out of the mud and then picked them up and then dropped them. And then he goes and digs another one up. <laughs> so okay, he loves to dig at the water. It's, I don't know why he does that. It's really interesting to me because he just, he's, he's done that mainly like the last, I would say four years where if he's not playing and I think it starts with just sort of the shininess or whatever he feels on his feet. And then he starts to dig at the rocks and, if they move, then he'll dig some more. So he likes that too. Okay. Has he got any other sort of like interesting or weird habits? I don't think so. That's probably the the most interesting one is the whole rock thing <laughs> because he does, a lot of people have said like, what's he doing? And I go, I don't know. He just likes to dig at the rocks. So um, I think the other weird thing about him is he does not like, I don't think this is that unusual, but he doesn't like slippery floors. Mm-hmm. And when I like our garages has per, this co- uh, like a coating on it. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but my husband loves it. Basically it's a um, 
sealed floor over the concrete, but it's kind of slippery if it's wet. And I have to make sure when I, when he jumps into the car, if it's, he doesn't, he won't try, he'll try to jump from way far away so that he doesn't have to step on that slippery area. So I have to just pay attention to that because sometimes the mm. length of distance that he wants to jump is not actually <laughs> something he can jump. Yeah. So, um, so I have to watch out for that. And then sometimes he'll try to jump and he'll, if he slips, obviously I don't want him to hurt himself. So sometimes we'll just back the car out into the, onto the garage, onto the driveway where mm -hmm. it's cement. And then he'll just jump at a normal uh, height or from a normal distance. But, and I don't know, he's not, there's never been a time where, you know, I remember the, him, him getting hurt or anything, but, and he'll walk over slippery floors, but you can tell as soon as he gets to, something he senses is slippery he'll do like spread out his paws and <laughs> spread out his arms his uh his toes i mean like he has to really grip it better uh, it's good to he see he really gets over that using a bit of caution right but he'll still walk over it he just walk, he does it a lot more cautiously <laughs> i like it i like it so <clears throat> I know uh, quite often when we've had people talking about their dogs and it turns out to be some of the earlier sort of the dogs that they've had that the dogs have shaped the the career and the the life of the person after they've sort of met but you were a trainer well before you got ranger right what has or has ranger taught you something different or changed any of your sort of like mentality in in the way that you did things I think the biggest thing from Ranger is sort of experimenting with things that you never thought your dog might like. Like there's been so many things that I, in my head, I've always thought, well, you know, these certain breeds really like these activities and these certain breeds really like these, or you might watch the dog and say, well, this dog will probably really enjoy this. And I think for some, to some extent, that's still valid, but he, I think more than anything, he's taught me that you should just try other things because you really never know. And mm -hmm. fast cat is the best example of that. I never, ever thought he would like fast cat because he really doesn't like chasing things. And, but he absolutely loves it. And some of the, even barn hunt, I wasn't sure if he would like it, but he really, really seems to like that. So I think just really not necessarily ruling out anything for your dog and trying things and seeing what they really like. Cause every single dog is going to have their own sort of preferences. And I think some of those you could probably say just based on their personality, they'll like this, but I think you might miss things by not trying them just because you think maybe the dog won't like it without ever giving it a try. I love what you've just said and Really, really hope that people listening give their dogs an op just the opportunity to see because it's something that they can't really communicate that well to say, oh, can I go and try this or right. try that? And without pushing them into doing something to see how they go at different activities and then going, wow just just like right. you've done and um i can say the same thing with the with the dryland mushing with our dobin i didn't you know i didn't choose to, to sort of get into that sort of sport she sort of chose that for me because right. that she just <laughs> loved it yeah 
I think it's definitely, I mean, another really good example with Ranger is as much as he loves the water, the great thing about um, a lot of the sports now is you can go and do try it or, or trial runs where, you know, you're just there for fun and they want you to try to see how your dog does. And that's how I, that's how we ended up in fast cat. And that's how we ended up in barn hunt because we just went for a trial. Well, we also did dock diving and I thought he would love dock diving because he loves the water. Yep. Well, he has spent six years always going into water through um, a sloped entry. So either he it was a beach or a lake where, you know, he could just walk in mm-hmm. or it was someone's pool. And anytime I've ever taken him to somebody's pool, I've always taken him down the stairs or the ramp because I wanted him to know how to get out. Well, that so that's his mentality. He would not jump off the dock to save his life. All he wanted to do was get to the ramp. And so we tried um, three different times with somebody helping us. And it was just he was just like, there's no way I'm jumping off of that. Now, I think I could probably train him and work with a lower deck, lower dock. Mm-hmm. But again, I went in there thinking, oh, he's totally going to jump off this thing because he loves water. And then he was like, I totally love water if I can go down the ramp over there. And so we did let him go down the ramp and he he loved that. But yeah, I don't know that he, I don't know if he would like dock diving. Yeah, I was actually thinking that earlier on and I thought, okay, yep, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, everybody was like, I can't believe he won't jump off that dock as much as he <laughs> yeah. likes water. But, but, I, but part of that, like I said, is I think six years of always going in the water a certain way. A certain way, yep. So that's in his mind, that's the safest thing to do. So, mm-hmm. so any other adventures or stories coming to mind that you'd like to share? No, I think I've hit on most of the key ones that I can think of anyway. <laughs> no, that's nice. Now, we'll switch back to you and your training. Do you want to give a, a brief sort of run-through of what you do and where people can find you? Sure. So I spent um, my original career, I was actually in the Marine Corps, and did nothing with dogs, but ended up going to dog trainer school while I was in the Marine Corps and was going to do that as a hobby, figured out when I started doing that, people would pay me for it. So I was like, oh, <laughs> think about doing this <laughs> nice. as a career. So I ended up joining the reserves, going into the reserves. So I stayed in the Marine Corps um, and finished out my career there. I was in 25 years in the Marine Corps, but I started a dog training business. So I was a, I'm a certified professional dog trainer. I've been dog training, had my own business as a dog trainer for 16 years or for 18 years in Virginia, which was one of the largest dog training companies but I transitioned over time. I started doing dog daycare and that was a fairly new concept when I started it. It's very, very popular now, but when I first started doing it, it was very unknown and dog parks didn't exist. People didn't go to dog daycare. So because of just because of that timing, I started getting asked more and more to help others start daycares and that led to consulting. And what I do now is I actually have a business called the dog gurus which is a business consulting service for pet care um, services. So daycare boarding facilities primarily. So we help pet care businesses launch, grow and profits. We help them build their business. And then we also help them with staff training. The offshoot of that, because we're training people all the time, how to manage dogs and understand dogs is we just started a um, other part of our company called Roughly Speaking, which is a pet parent membership site to help pet parents build a stronger bond with their dogs. Mm-hmm. So the best that's the best uh, avenue for pet parents to just learn more about their dogs and just have fun with their dogs. And we talk about just things that 
will help you. Some of it's training related. Some of it's just really how to build your a better bond with your dog, because that's really our goal for the whole business. Yep. I love it. I know you mentioned earlier that you're doing the, like the puppy training series is, is in part of that. Right. Our puppy training series called raising your puppy is on that website as well. So I'm um, in that website is roughly speaking dog.com. Okay. And the other website is the business website is the dog, the dog Excellent. And do, can people find you anywhere else or is that the, the primary point of access? Those two are primary, the primary places. They can also email me at Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at the doggurus.com. And then there's social media sites for both of those, the dog gurus, as well as Roughly Speaking um, on Instagram and Facebook. And Roughly Speaking is also on, just started on TikTok. So don't ask me about that yet because <laughs> I haven't figured it all out. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it'll do really, really well. <laughs> Robin, it has been a very enjoyable conversation. Loved, love what you do. Loved hearing all about Ranger. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun to talk to talk about him. <laughs> Thank you again very much. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Have you told anyone about the show? Well, I'm hoping you have. And for those that you haven't, why not? Dogs are awesome. And so are all the stories that have been on the previous 99 episodes. Anyway, thank you to our new listeners in Weybridge in the UK and also in Frankfurt in Germany. Hope you continue to listen to awesome dog stories and tell your friends as well. If you want to go a step further, like, share, and don't forget, forget to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, stay safe, and remember, your dog is family.